Well, he did give us that salvation, so rich and free. It wasn't free to him. It cost him everything. But he was willing to do so out of obedience to his father and out of his love for us. And uh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, and it saved a wretch like me. It's uh, hard to put into words. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. It's just hard to really describe how wonderful and amazing it is. Well, we're continuing on with our series here uh, through Bible Doctrines. Uh, last uh, Wednesday night, we uh, had a very ambitious goal of trying to get through this outline and uh, got halfway through it. And I, and I guess that's actually quite a feat even still for me, uh, but uh, I want to try to finish it up tonight. And so um, we started this last Wednesday night going through the prophecies concerning Jesus Christ, prophecies concerning Christ. And we started in Genesis 3 and verse 15, where uh, that was the first prophecy of his coming. And it talked about um, her seed. Um, let me go ahead and uh, start by reading that verse. And then I'm not going to do a really a ton of review. Um, it's all there written out for you, and I just really want to kind of pick it up there so I have time to get through everything else tonight. Genesis 3.15, though, says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, he's talking to Satan here, and between thy seed and her seed, talking about her seed, is that's a reference to the virgin birth um, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so this is the first real prophecy in the Word of God regarding Jesus Christ. And, um, and then we, we come to many other pictures of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ later on, even from when, um, remember when uh, Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sewed fig leaves together because they were ashamed? And then the Lord said, no, no, that, that won't do. I need to make you coats. Um, and so in verse number... Um, 21 of chapter 3 there it says unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them and uh, what he did is he uh, took innocent animals and uh, sacrificed their life to cover the sin of Adam and Eve and that was a picture of what Jesus Christ would do for us as he died on the cross for us an innocent lamb of God and uh, when because of his shed blood, our sins could be covered and removed. And uh, so this was a, um, we, we find a lot of different uh, pictures as we walk through the book of Genesis here. And uh, I don't want to get sidetracked with that. I want to stay on the outline here um, as best as I can. Okay, so last, uh, last week we looked at the fact of his birth was foretold and uh, all the different uh, aspects there that are in your outline were foretold in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New Testament. And then we talked about how his life was also foretold in uh, the Old Testament and fulfilled in the New Testament. Now, tonight, we want to focus in now on his death and the fact that his death was foretold. Now, what about his death was mentioned in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New Testament? Well, several things, and we're going to look at many of them tonight. First of all, he was betrayed by a friend. He was betrayed by a friend. And, of course, we all know who that friend was, right? Uh, somebody tell me who the friend was that betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. Judas Iscariot, absolutely. But uh, it was prophesied that that would happen. Uh, not that it would be Ju Judas by name, but that one of his friends would betray him. And that's found in uh, Psalm 41 and verse number 9. Here the Bible says this, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Okay? Doesn't that sound uh, a little bit like Genesis 3.15, what we looked at a few moments ago? Um, yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted. And now, was Judas someone that people trusted and that Jesus trusted? I, I don't know really specifically if Christ trusted him, but everybody else trusted him so much that he was the treasurer. And so we all know that treasurers are, have a little 
Hey, Brother Terry, how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm just teasing, but, um, and I do trust him implicitly, uh, for sure. But uh, Judas, everybody trusted him implicitly too, and yet he was a counterfeit disciple. And then he did, uh, he did betray the Lord Jesus Christ, and let's look at how that uh, happened here in Matthew chapter 26, and it's recorded in uh, the other Gospels as well, but let's just look here at Matthew. Uh, because this is a this paints a little fuller picture of what took place uh, with Judas. So Matthew twenty six and pick it up here in verse number fourteen, where it says then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said to them, What will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? They said, Hey, um, I know you want him. I can give him to you. How much are you going to give me? How much are you going to hook me up with? Well, verse 15 says, They coveted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. He said, Hey, I've got my 30 pieces of silver. That's the contract. And once I, once I do this, I get my money. So I'm going to look for an opportunity. Uh, well, let's keep reading here. Verse number 17. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And uh, verse 18, Jesus says, Go in the city, such a man say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. The disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful. At this point, you can imagine the emotion that they were feeling when they heard him say that and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? They all felt like it was going to be them. Lord, is it going to be me? No. Is it going to be me? And then verse 23, here's the answer that Jesus gives. He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. Son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? Now notice here in verse 25, Judas, he said, Master, is it I? But the others in verse 22 said, Lord, is it I? And well, verse 25, when Judas said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And uh, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, break it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. He took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And they had sung in him, they went out of the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. By the way, kind of keep that in the back of your mind. We'll come back to that here in a few minutes, in a few moments. Uh, verse 32, But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said, Hey, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Well, uh, this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice, Jesus said. And he said, no way. Well, verse uh, 36, then cometh Jesus with them into the place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, sit he here while I go and pray yonder. And then uh, pick it up here in verse 47, kind of fast forward a little bit. While he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve came with him, a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priest and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, uh, that same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, and here's that name again, Master, and kissed him. Notice verse 50. Jesus said unto him, What did he call Judas then? Friend. Isn't that curious? Jesus knew exactly what Judas was there to do. And yet, it's almost as if he's giving Judas an opportunity right here to get things right. 
And he's not bitter at Judas. I would have been bitter. I would have been, what are you doing, Judas? I thought, I thought we liked each other. I thought you, you wanted to be with me, and now you've betrayed me. What's going on here? But Jesus, he calls him friend. Wherefore art thou come? Well, then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. So going back here to Psalm 41, verse 9, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread there in the upper room had lifted up his heel against me. So uh, this was prophesied hundreds of years before Judas would betray the Lord Jesus Christ. What else about his death was foretold? Well, also he was forsaken by his disciples. If you go to Matthew, uh, or yeah, Matthew, and then go back two books, you got Malachi, or if you're Italian, Malachi, and you go back one more to Zechariah chapter 13 and go to verse number 7. Zechariah 13, 7 says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. So hundred years, hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus comes and onto the scene, it was prophesied that if, if the shepherd, the great shepherd, the good shepherd is smitten, then the sheep are going to be scattered. Well, did that happen? Well, spoiler alert, yes, it did. Well, let's look at it, Matthew chapter 26. Just a couple of verses. One verse that we read a moment ago, and I said, hey, keep this in the back of your mind. We're coming back to it. Here we are. Matthew 26, 31, then saith unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. And again, Peter goes, well, I'm <laughs> not me. I I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to be scattered. There's no reason for me to leave. Oh, yeah, Peter. Uh, Peter, I'd like you to look with me at verse number 56, Peter. Uh, Peter, verse 56 says this, But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. So because Jesus was taken into captivity, all the disciples bailed and bolted. And said, yeah, um, my allegiance to Jesus Christ is uh, not as strong as I thought it was. And so, But that was prophesied way back in Zechariah and now fulfilled here as Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. Uh, what else about Jesus' death that was uh, prophesied in the old? Well, perverted justice. Perverted justice. If you go to Isaiah chapter 53... And this is the, uh, the wonderful, powerful words of the prophet that prophesied of the suffering of our, of our Savior. In verse number seven, well, I'll pick it up in verse number five. Uh, how about number, number four? <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to... Pick a starting point here without starting at the very beginning. But verse 4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of of us all. Talk about a burden. It was a burden that you and I couldn't carry on our own. But not, not just all of my sins, but guess what? All of Randy's sins were placed on Jesus. And all of Mark's sins. And even Julie's sins. And all of, our, of the whole world were The iniquity of us all were laid upon him. Okay, that's not the part I'm getting to, but 
That's just, a, that's just a powerful verbiage here to help us understand what Jesus did for us on the cross and the burden that he carried. Okay, verse number seven, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is, and, and if there was anyone who ever deserved to open his mouth and defend himself, it was Jesus because he was literally indeed innocent. And yet he chose not to open his mouth. In other words, he really laid down his life for us voluntarily. It wasn't taken. He laid it down. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison, here it is, and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. So this is a reference to uh, the type of judgment and prison and the, the perverted justice that, that took place. And let me show you in, um, let's see here, Matthew 26 again. If you flip back over to Matthew chapter 26, and let's look at a few of these passages to talk about the, the perversion that was going on here and the corruption in the government to try to make sure that Jesus was crucified. I mean, there was no, like, ethics going on. There was no integrity in what they were trying to do. They, they had an agenda, and they were going to see to it that it was done. All right, Matthew 26, verse 57. And they that, laid ho- that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. And, of course, the scribes and the elders were not there to defend Jesus. They were there to make sure that their agenda was fulfilled. Verse 58, but Peter followed him afar off. Uh, Where's your allegiance, Peter? (laughs) Um, Under the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought what kind of witness against Jesus? False witness against Jesus to put him to death. At this point, who cared about their integrity? That was out the window. They were hungry for blood. And it didn't matter how they were going to get it. Let's lie. Whatever it takes, let's get this guy killed. He's ruining our lives. And so they sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. But verse 60, but found none. (laughs) Imagine that. Could it be because Jesus Christ is perfect and totally innocent? Could it be? Uh, Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. And at the last came two false witnesses and said, well, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. High priest arose and said said unto him, answerest thou nothing? What is it um, which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. Remember, as the lamb before her shears is done, so he openeth not his mouth. Jesus holds his peace here. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. What an answer. Wow. All right. Then let's go to Matthew 27. Uh, verse 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. I imagine it was more like, you tell me. When he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. There again, he openeth not his mouth. Could have defended himself. Could have said, be dead, all of you, and they would have been dead, all of them. But he chose to just answer nothing. Then Pilate said unto him, then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. And uh, that's good. Not, not to say that we should never defend ourselves, but we don't always have to be super quick to try to defend ourselves. Um, I think in this case, Jesus was letting his father be his defense. 
And, uh, and it, it's good for us when we're being accused to not just try to like, oh, I got to clear my name. I understand that to a point, but also maybe you let the Lord clear your name if you really are innocent. And uh, the Lord didn't, you know, that's a, that's a good little lesson here. So perverted justice was prophesied in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New. I've got to move quickly through these. I don't want to because it's so good. But next, the crucifixion uh, was prophesied in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New. And if you go to um, John chapter 19, but then also Psalm 22. So we'll look at Psalm 22 first, but then we'll come back to John 19. So hopefully you brought a Bible and you're quick getting to these passages. Psalm 22. Most of us are familiar with Psalm 23. Psalm 22, though, happens before Psalm 23. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, But the reason that we can enjoy Psalm 23 so much is because of what Jesus did for us in Psalm 22. The sacrifice and the suffering that he endured on the cross gives him the right and the ability to be our great shepherd, to be the one that we should follow beside the still waters, into the green pastures, but also even into the valley of the shadow of death. Because of what he's done. Talk about experiencing a valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 22 was quite a valley. Um, the crucifixion. Uh, we'll look here at verses 14 through verse 15, verse 16, I'm sorry. Here, David is, this is a psalm of David, but this is no question a prophes- uh, prophetical um, psalm that points to what Jesus would endure on the cross. Verse 14, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. See, the crucifixion was prophesied hundreds of years before. Jesus was crucified. Now go back to John 19. John 19 and verse 16. Verse 16 says, Then delivered him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. And uh, the nuts just got back from their trip to Israel. And uh, you got to see a place where they think may have been Golgotha. And ha- has anybody else been to Israel in here before? Oh, you both have been to Israel. That's neat. Anybody else? Okay. I sure would like to go. That's certainly on my spiritual bucket list for sure. Um, but, uh, okay, verse number 18, where they crucified him and two other with him. On either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And crucifixion, of course, required the nails in his hands and his feet. And he was uh, pierced in that, in, that, in that moment there. So it was prophesied in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New. Okay, what else? His thirst. Um, his thirst. So hopefully you still have a finger there in Psalm 22. I should have had you do that. Um, well, let's look. Psalm 22, verse 15. Uh, my strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. In other words, he was, he was thirsty. Okay, well, do you remember that one of the things that Jesus said from the cross, there were seven sayings from the cross, and one of them had to do with the fact that he was thirsty. And this is uh, John 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be, might be fulfilled saith, I thirst. Okay? Um, and another, another aspect, uh, this goes along with it, um, another aspect of the, the death of Christ that is prophesied in the Old Testament is vinegar to drink. Uh, vinegar to drink. 
and uh, going back to Psalm 69, Psalm 69 now, the fact that they were going to offer him vinegar to drink was prophesied hundreds of years before. Psalm 69 and verse 21. But they gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And then right here is um, verse number 29 of John chapter 19. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And I, I can just imagine these people were had no clue that they were fulfilling prophecy as they were doing going through the motions of all of this stuff, but um, what was actually happening, the big picture was all the scripture was being fulfilled, pointing to the fact that this was no just accident. This was the Messiah. This was the Son of God. This was the promised one. Okay, so vinegar to drink, and uh, there's other references on that. Well, you can look at them later. Um, okay, what about the words on the cross? Um, going back to Psalm 22, again, and if you just stay in Psalm 22, kind of keep one finger there. We're kind of going back and forth here. But Psalm 22 in verse number 1. And if you've been saved for any length of time, you're familiar with some of the things that took place on the cross of, of Christ, this will sound extremely familiar. Verse number 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring. Okay, did Jesus ever say that? Yes, he did. John, um, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So of the seven things, two have already been prophesied in the Old Testament, came true in the New. And it wasn't like Jesus like, oh yeah, I better remember to say all these things so that, you know, people like think I'm the Messiah even though I'm just some kind of looney tune. No, no, no. This was... a. This was complete fulfillment of prophecy that took place. So the words on the cross uh, were there. What, what else? Next, the mocking crowd was prophesied in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New. Psalm 22, going back to that passage, verse number 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men despised of the people. Okay, was Jesus despised the people yes that's why he was crucified in fact the people who just a few days before were laying down those those blankets and and all those branches and and uh hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord are the same ones who would yell out crucify him crucify him because he was despised by the people okay but then verse 7 says and all they that see me laugh me to scorn they shoot out the lip they shake the head saying, well, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. And it was complete mockery and complete uh, humiliation. Okay, was that fulfilled in the new? Yes. If you go to Matthew 27, verse number 39, as Jesus is there on the cross. Verse 39 says, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, hey, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. And probably, I don't know if they did air quotes back in those days, but I would think that, hey, if thou be the Son of God, why don't you go ahead and come down from the cross? Likewise, verse 41, the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, Hey, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. Ha, 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 ha. And no doubt they were jabbing each other. Good one, man. 
they were completely mocking their creator. So prophesied in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New. Okay, and what's the next one? The people sitting and staring at Jesus. Psalm 22 again. Thanks for bearing with me as we look at a lot of scriptures tonight. Hope it's okay we do that. You know, being it we're at church and all. <laughs> um, Psalm 22, I'm teasing you. I know you. I know you enjoy this. It's great to look at the fact that Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy. Okay, Psalm 22, verse 17. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. Okay, did that happen in the New Testament? Yes, it did. Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse number 36. Well, verse 35 says, And they crucified him, parted his and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. People watching Jesus being crucified, it was, it was like entertainment. Now, crucifixion was a extremely gruesome and, I mean, it's not something that people really enjoyed watching. But with Jesus, somehow, he became entertaining to watch be crucified. I don't know exactly how many people stayed around to watch him go through that type of torture, but there were probably, there, no doubt there were more than usual uh, with a crucifixion. It was a very lonely way to die, but when Jesus died, there were several people just sitting there watching him i mean they're i don't know if they had a popcorn or what i'm not sure if they had snacks there watch i'm not sure but they just stood there and watched this man this strange man we know he wasn't just a strange man he was the son of god um, which was made him different than everybody else but that was prophesied that people would sit and stare at him Psalm 22, and then fulfilled in Matthew 27. What else? Soldiers casting lots for his garments. And, and this one you may have remembered. Again, going back to uh, Psalm 22, verse number 18, they part my garments among them, cast lots upon my vesture. And we know that that was fulfilled. We just read that verse a moment ago in verse 35 of Matthew 27. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. So another prophecy fulfilled. Now, what else? His, his vicarious suffering. His vicarious suffering, and I kind of got ahead of myself on, on that Isaiah 53 passage, because this is where we're going to be again, Isaiah 53, and kind of cover that thought that I was kind of getting excited about for a minute. Isaiah 53, and verse number uh, 5 and 6, he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all so his vicarious suffering and uh so that was prophesied that he would do that for us was that fulfilled in the new? According to Hebrews 9.28, it was. And here's what that verse says. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I think about our theme verse for the gospel of Mark, Mark 10.45. Son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a Ransom for many. See, he died for our sins. His vicarious suffering was prophesied in the Old Testament and absolutely fulfilled as Jesus died on that cross. What else about his death? No bones were broken. No bones were broken. 
And uh, I'm only going to look at a, one or two of these passages. I'll let you look at the other ones later. But Psalm 34 and verse 20. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Not one of them. Okay, let's go to John 19. John 19. And uh, let's look here at uh, verse number 33. Jesus, in verse 30, says, It is finished. He bowed his head, gave up the ghost. He was dead. But verse number uh, 32, Then came the soldiers, break the legs of the first. So their, bro their bones were broken, just to be sure that they couldn't raise and lower themselves on those nails to keep breathing. So that's what they were doing is to prevent that ability for them doing that. And so they wanted to, in other words, just suffocate them uh, to eliminate their ability to breathe. So they were breaking the bones of these men. And this is what they used, are used to doing, and this is their common practice. Verse 33, but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. Okay, uh, verse number 34, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forth with came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith uh, that he saith true that ye might believe. And then verse 36, for these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. So it was uncommon for that to happen. And they were probably a little perplexed and said, well, we need to thrust him through with the spear to make sure that he is indeed dead. But, uh, um, I mean, they, they just kind of needed to do something there. And uh, so there we go. And then uh, in verse 37, and another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierce. So another prophecy that we're not even going to really mention here tonight. And then what else? His burial in a rich man's tomb. The last one we'll look at here, and then we'll move on to the last couple thoughts, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll be done for tonight. Uh, burial in a rich man's tomb, Isaiah 53 again. Y'all staying up with me tonight? Okay. Did I lose anybody? Did he fall asleep? Yeah. Somebody? Okay. <laughs> okay. Lost Doris back in Psalm 22 somewhere, so... <laughs> Okay. All right, good. Well, uh, maybe catch up real, real quick here. Isaiah 53, verse 9. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his, uh, in his death. And uh, we know that if you go to Matthew 27, back to Matthew 27 here, and uh, verse number 57, when the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciples. And he was a rich man. Well, doesn't it say here in, with the rich in his death? Well, rich man of Arimathea. Uh, that's coincidence. Nope. Verse 58, he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Now, I don't want to steal too much thunder from when we get there in the Gospel of Mark, but Mark's record of this uses the word craved in the King James. He craved the body of Jesus. Now, this is the corpse. This is a dead body. I have some cravings in my life from time to time. I crave ice cream. I crave Dr. Pepper. It's healthy. It's got a doc doctor approved, right? I mean, I crave some things, right? And you do too. And praise the Lord, I've never been pregnant and never will. Um, but my wife, she craved some things when she was pregnant. She craved ice, some the, the good ice, the, the, crunchy, the crunchy ice that had air in it. There was, there was a neighbor of ours who had 
the freezer that made this special ice. And she would go and ask for ice from her freezer when she was pregnant with one or two of our kids. Cravings. You have them, I have them. I don't know that I would crave the dead body hanging, mutilated on a cross. And yet Joseph of Arimathea, um, he craved the body of Christ. He begged, he begged the body of Jesus. And Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And so um, his burial in a rich man's tomb was prophesied and then fulfilled. Okay, what else about Christ was foretold and came to pass? Uh, two more quick thoughts here, but they're big, huge thoughts, and that is his resurrection was foretold. Um, Psalm 16 and verse number 10. Psalm 16, 10. And then uh, Luke 24. Psalm 16, verse 10, and then Psalm, and then Luke 24. Psalm 16, 10 says this, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. So Jesus did experience full death, but he didn't ever experience corruption. And Jesus was not left in, in hell, he came forth out of that tomb. And this was prophesied um, in, you know, again, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus rose from the grave. Okay, do we know, and this is Christianity 101, did Jesus resurrect from the grave? Yes, he did. Okay, right, we know that. But let's look at it. Let's not just be like, yeah, yeah, let's move on to the next one. Let's Let's look at it real quickly here, 20, Luke 24, 1 through 7. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid, bowed down their faces to the earth. They said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. He's risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? In verse number 8, the light bulb went off, and they remembered his words. Resurrection was foretold. Psalm 16, verse 10, fulfilled in the New Testament. Next thought, last one here that we'll look at. His ascension to heaven was foretold. His ascension to heaven was foretold. Psalm 10, 110. Psalm 110. Psalm 110. And then find Mark 16. The last couple references. Famous last words, right? You've heard me say that before, but I believe that that is the case. Mark 16, and then Psalm 110, verse number 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my, what hand? Right. right hand, okay, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So sit thou at my right hand. So the ascension of Jesus Christ was foretold. Here, when David is prophesying about the Lord saying unto my Lord, hey, I want you to sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Okay, Mark 16. Uh, verse number 9 says, When Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of who he had cast seven devils. And then if we skip over to verse 14 here, so Jesus is resurrected. And then verse 14 says, Afterward he appeared unto eleven as they sat at meat and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, and here's the, God, here's the great commission, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. 
And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. By the way, this is a reference to the apostles in, in the book of Acts during that time of transition from the Gospels to the New Testament church. It's not to say that now we can go drink um, a gallon of bleach and be okay. Uh, not, not a good idea, so don't do that tonight. But verse number 19, this is, the, this is where it all comes down to. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the, what's the next word? Right hand of God. So the ascension was foretold in Psalm 110 and now fulfilled as Jesus goes up into heaven and sits there on the right hand of God. Isn't that awesome? Okay, now, um, what's, the, what's the point tonight? Uh, and, and I need to wrap it up, but what's the point? Okay, couple couple points, and I mentioned them last week. Number one, Jesus is the Messiah. That's the point. Without a doubt, um, there is a, uh, a Harvard graduate who uh, did some math on this, and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, he said that the point of impossibility is one out of 10 to the 50th power. At that point, it's impossible. Okay, this means that this item could have never happened by random chance, even if you had a million chances per second for all of eternity. Some atheists will claim that Jesus fulfilled prophecy by pure luck. Well, this Harvard grad said, let's see if they are right. Using a very low probability of 1 to the 1 out of 10 to the 3rd power per fulfillment, per fulfillment. Let's apply the math to the question then. To keep the math simple, we'll round down to the number of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled to 330. I, I saw 330. 32 or 340, depending on who you're looking at. But 330, that's a conservative amount of prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled. And so our equation then goes to 1 out of 10 to the 990th power. Okay, that then is... 10 with 990 zeros after it. I actually thought of putting a slide up here with 990 zeros, but I was like, eh, I don't have enough time for that. <laughs> but that's a lot of zeros. That's almost 1,000 zeros, okay? And at that point, it is nearly 20 times the point of impossibility. So... Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jesus fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament was no accident. It was on purpose fulfilling uh, and, and proving the fact that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the promised one of Genesis 3.15. And by the way, if you're wondering who the Harvard grad, very own Tom Thompson. So he presented this to me on Sunday, and he said, I've got something for you, and he went home and did a little math for us, and uh, I, I enjoy math, but this is a little beyond me. I'm a, uh, I went to Tumbleweed Tech for my, for my math class, so, <laughs> uh, but anyway, okay, so you take it from a mathematician, take it from the scriptures, Jesus is the Messiah, okay, what else is the other point? God says something is going to happen, it's going to happen. God cannot lie. It's just not in his nature. He is the way, the truth. There's no lying. There's no deceit in him. And so when he says something in his word for us, a promise to us, well, we can take it to the bank that it's going to be fulfilled because it's not in his nature to uh, miss, like, oops, I forgot to fulfill that promise. 
No, no, no. He fulfills every single promise. He's fulfilled many of them, and the ones he hasn't fulfilled, he will. You can take it to the bank as if it's already done. So uh, tonight as you read and, and tomorrow morning as you uh, open the bread of life the, or bread, bread of the word of God and, and, and partake of the promises, uh, you can bank on them coming true. So hopefully tonight in studying this, uh, of course, builds our faith and who Christ is, but also in the nature of God and that he, his word is true and you can trust his word. You say, oh, I already knew that before I came in. Well, I know, but sometimes I need to be reminded of all that. And so I hope that uh, that's been a help and an encouragement. Um, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll just take a couple minutes here for some prayer requests tonight, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for the time tonight to study your word uh, about Christ. What a, what a grand study it is, and uh, what a precious study it is. Lord, thank you for coming to this earth and loving us so much that you were willing to go through all of that. We spent quite a bit of time tonight talking about the suffering that you endured. And Lord, you did that because you loved us. And to be honest, we were not lovable. We were wicked sinners. We were your enemies. And yet you did that for us anyway. And Lord, we just have to say thank you. And uh, we love you for loving us first. And uh, Lord, thank you for building our faith tonight in your word and in your promises. Lord, your promises are sure. They're true from the beginning. And uh, Lord, they're going to endure forever. And Lord, help us to trust you, to not doubt, but have great faith in a great God. Lord, I pray that you'd bless now the time as we discuss some needs, and Lord, I pray that you'd uh, just uh, help us to take these requests with us and to pour them out before you faithfully this week. In Jesus' name, amen.